you today. Uh, today we're mess- today's message is a little different. It's going to be a standalone before next week we jump into a study of the book of Acts that's going to take us through a lot of the year, actually, both fall and spring. Uh, but if you would please, would you open your Bibles to John chapter 11? If you have a Bible on your phone, feel free to use that. If you have the U version, uh, if you click on the three lines in the corner, go to events. Spring Lake Church will be the first one, Spring Lake downtown will be the first one to pop up. Uh, the Bible verse is there. Uh, that we're going to be reading through pretty much an entire chapter today. Uh, before we read, I want to ask, do I have any armchair quarterbacks in the room? Either yesterday as your team was playing, or maybe Thursday as you were watching the Packer game. You are the armchair quarterback. And some of you are like, what's, what's an armchair quarterback? An armchair quarterback is the, no, is the play, knows the play that should have been run that the coaches didn't run. So in other words, they ran a play and it only got 10 yards. But if they would have run your play, they'd have gotten like 25. They ran a blitz, and if they would have stayed in your defense, they probably would have like won the game in one play. An armchair quarterback knows the answer to everything well beyond what the actual coach or quarterback knows. Uh, Those are the people that they don't know what's going on with the players. They don't actually know what's going on as far as the bigger game plan uh, of the game, but of course they got all the answers. Now some people are armchair quarterbacks in football, some people are armchair quarterbacks in life. They know everything you need to do before you do. They know if you would have done step A, step B would have been a piece of cake. Or maybe you did step A and they're going, no, I wouldn't have done it that way. They just have all the answers for your life or maybe you are somebody else's armchair quarterback for their life. You are like one step from a Jerry Springer episode. You just have all the answers, and if they would just follow you, then no explosions would happen anywhere. Today we're going to be looking at those moments, you ready for this, when we play armchair quarterback to God. When we think we have the answers, when we think we understand things better than God does, and we get to the point where we go, God, if you would only... Fill in the blank. Maybe none of you have ever done that, but I can tell you for sure I have. We're going to start in John chapter 11, beginning at verse 1, and we're going to be talking about a man by the name of Lazarus. And we're going to start with the big problem. The big problem, as we'll see, is Lazarus is dead. John 11, beginning at verse 1, it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for, the glory, for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Jump forward to verse 11. It says, after he had said this, he went on to tell them, one of uh, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of death, of his death. But his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, 
so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, Didymus means twin, said to the rest of the disciples, let us go that we may die with him. Now, I'm going to stop there. This is part one of the message because something in this whole conversation, if I'm a disciple, if I'm one of those walking with Jesus having this conversation, something just feels contradictory. First of all, the one who you love is sick. Don't you think that if someone was God's favorite, if someone was the one who gets the title loved, don't you think that God would make sure they stayed healthy? Like, you know, they get their own TV show and they get the cars they want. Everything goes right because isn't that what we're told? If you really love God, nothing goes wrong. And yet this, this starts out by saying the one that God loves is sick. It just seems contradictory. And this sickness, Jesus says, he tells his disciples, won't be unto death. But he's dead. So if I'm listening to Jesus say, okay, he's sick and he's sleeping, but this won't end in death. And I go, good, he's sleeping, he'll get better because it's not going to end in dead. No, what I meant is he's already dead. Hmm. Something doesn't seem to add up in what Jesus is saying if I'm a disciple in what I'm hearing. And then Jesus says, of this person who he loves, he's dead and I'm glad I wasn't there to do anything about it. You ever felt that way in life? God, something's going on, it feels like it's going down fast. And somewhere in the back of your mind, maybe you hear Jesus saying, oh, and I'm glad I wasn't there to do anything about it. There's just something that feels, for me, very contradictory. And then the part of the passage we skipped is that when they go back to where Lazarus is, that's the very place where they had threatened to kill Jesus. So now you've got 12 guys who are saying, let's go with them because we might as well die too. 12 guys thinking they may die to go visit a guy who's already dead, and they're waiting two days before they even go visit him. From here, we go from kind of the confusion of the conversation to unmet expectations, Jesus goes to comfort Mary and Martha. We'll pick up reading verse 17. <coughs> Excuse me. It says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tombs for four days. Quick note here. Jewish tradition was that when someone died, their spirit would actually remain in the space, in the area, for three days. On the fourth day, they're out. So four days, Lazarus would completely be checked out. Verse 18. It says, now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Verse 32. It says, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? This section starts off with probably one of the most honest statements in the Bible. Here comes Martha, full sprint to Jesus. If we know anything about Martha from Scripture, she's kind of a go-getter, blunt, you know, lead with her head kind of person. She gets to Jesus and she starts the conversation with the rebuke of God. God, if you would have been here, Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother would not be dead. If you would have just shown up, we sent you word, we sent you word ahead of time, and yet you dragged your feet showing up. If only you would have been here. But then there's this trace of faith in her statement as she says, but even now I know God will do what you ask. Jesus tells her, he will rise from the dead, and Martha goes to the, the Sunday school orthodox view. Well, I know he'll rise from the dead. On the last day at end times, I know he'll rise from the dead. That's when resurrection will happen. Jesus says, I am that resurrection. I am the life. And he'll live even if he dies. Whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Then he asks a very telling question, and this is kind of a question that I would pose to you. This kind of struck at my heart. Do you believe this? Jesus didn't say, do you know this? He didn't say, have you been taught this? Do you believe this? You gave me the Sunday school answer. Do you believe this? Is this something you're building your life on? What do you hold to when you're facing death? Do you believe I can do something even with this, do you believe that even if something dies, I'm still life? And Martha, I think this is pretty cool. Martha, before Jesus does anything, Martha says, I do believe it. We follow that up with Mary coming on the scene. And what does Mary say? Jesus, if you would have been here, sound familiar? If you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. The crowd show up. And the crowd see how sad Jesus is at this. Jesus wept. And then they asked the question, couldn't this guy who opened a blind man's eyes, who was a stranger, couldn't he have done something for someone that he loved? Couldn't he have shown up in this situation? There's confusion, there's sadness, there's doubt, there's bewilderment all in the statement. And then Jesus has had enough. This is where he draws the line in the sand, and this is where Jesus speaks. It, John says of Jesus that he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? And it says Jesus wept. Now his tears are not only from love, but he has righteous anger at death and unbelief. Jesus says he's deeply moved in, in a spirit and greatly troubled. So when you get this picture of Jesus from John eleven thirty five, 35, and we all, if there's one verse you can memorize, it's that one. Jesus wept. You got it. I know you guys can remember that leaving. This isn't a picture of Jesus like being all sad. Oh, Lazarus and I were good friends. We went on a picnic last spring. I'm just going to miss Lazarus. That's not the picture of Jesus here. This wording of Jesus being uh, moved and greatly troubled 
is spoken of. This term is used in Matthew 9.30, Mark 1.43, and Mark 4, uh, 14.5. And in all of them, it's used as a rebuke. Because when Jesus walks into a room, when Jesus is in a space where there's death and unbelief, there's something in him that is unsettled. Life will never be comfortable in death. Christ brings life into the situation. D.A. Carson, talking about this term, greatly troubled. He says it's a serious term. In extra-biblical Greek, it can refer to the snorting sound of an angry horse. As applied to human beings, it invariably suggests anger, outrage, outrage and emotional indignation. Jesus was not showing up. His eyes are not filled with tears because he's just so brokenhearted. He's had enough. He's heard enough disbelief. He's seen enough doubt. He's looked at enough death. Where have you put him? In the next part, we start reading verse 38. If you'll look, the same term is used. He's deeply moved again. Now comes the miracle. Verse 38. It says, Jesus once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been dead there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. When Jesus gives you a word on something, no matter how hard it may look, no matter how mounting the obstacles may seem, hold on to it. Because in his words, as he said here, you'll see the glory of God even if it seems like everything has died. What if God wants to bring back to life where others see death? What if he wants to use death to bring him glory. Jesus says, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Death is not going to be what defines Lazarus anymore because Jesus has brought him back to life. So you picture Lazarus being wrapped up the way we picture mummies, hands and feet, uh, feet bound, body wrapped, face covered. So he's either coming out like this out of the grave or he's hopping. And here comes this man who everyone's going, is it? No. But it's got to be. That was his grave. Jesus says, take the thing off his face. Unwrap him. He's not marked by death anymore. He's alive. What in your life needs resurrection? What in your life do you feel like you have pronounced death over? What have you said, God, if you would only... And you've just been waiting for him to do it your way. What if God's game plan isn't yours? How many in the room have grown kids? Can I see a show of hands? Okay. How many of you have grown kids who live over 100 miles away? Can I see a show of hands? All right. 
Have you ever prayed that prayer where you said, Lord, I thank you that my children are in your hands. But don't forget that Susie's lactose intolerant and that Jimmy needs extra sleep if he has a busy day tomorrow. God, if you can just make those two things happen, I know everything else will be okay. Like, we got to help him. God, if you would only, God, if you'll take care of, what if his answer to you is, I've got this and I'm doing it my way. I'm drawing them closer to me, and you are not going to be involved in this thing. What if it's your job, maybe it's your finances or your marriage, where you're saying, God, if you would only, and he's saying, this thing may die before I bring life. My question to you is, would you be okay with it? But here's the challenge with the question. It's going to be God's plan this whole thing anyway. So I would make it more of a statement. We need to be okay with it. You can either embrace the resurrection or write it off as impossible and keep staring at the grave. This message comes out for me of a really rough summer. I'll skip the details. They don't make much of a difference because my guess is there are some people sitting here this morning that you're staring at something and you're saying, God, this isn't the plan I picked. This isn't the way I would have done it. If you'll only do, and we want to go into armchair quarterback mode with God. We wouldn't want to admit that. But it's exactly what we have in mind. I'd love to keep going here because in my mind, if this was done my way, I would read the rest of the passage and it would say, and all the city people rejoiced and held a parade and realized that Jesus Christ was Lord and made him king of all. That's not what happened. There are some who stand in awe. I'd encourage you to read the rest of the chapter. There are others who go to the religious leaders and their response is, we got to kill him because he's not doing things as a matter of fact, if you read in another account in the Gospels, they want to kill Lazarus because he's proof that God moves outside of how they want to do things. What if it doesn't go the way you want? And on the inside, you may be celebrating and everyone else is just shaking their head at you. Are you going to be okay with that? Can God be God over the circumstances? Can God be God over our lives? I want to give you... Four quick reminders as we read through this. First of all, remember that your statement of if only just means that God is working in a different way. God is not done. God is not dead. God is not deaf. But he's God. The if only statement just means he's not following your game plan. So my encouragement is let's just get in line with his. Leave it open-handed. The hard facts, they'll do the same thing again. The crowds will do the same thing again when Jesus is being crucified. If you can heal other people, why don't you take care of yourself? Why don't you come down from the cross? Heal or heal thyself. But it wasn't God's game plan. Even for Jesus, death had to happen before life. I don't know what your if only is, but please don't try and squeeze God into your if only box. Let him destroy the grave. Secondly, keep your eyes out of the grave. As Jesus would say, why, or the angel at the, at the grave, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Pick your eyes up. Even in things, as Jesus said, that seem dead, 
He says, he'll bring life even where there's death. Keep your eyes out of the grave. We'll get to a point tied to that in just a second. But here's number three. If God raises something for someone else, celebrate with them. Don't get mad about it. God's game plan and timing for them may be different than yours. Their children may get things back in order before your children do. Their job may promote them before you get promoted. Their marriage may come back together. They're making like blinky eyes at each other. And you and your spouse don't even want to look at each other. Don't despise them for that. Celebrate life with them. Celebrate with Mary and Martha as they get their brother back from the grave. Celebrate the moments where God brings life around you. And remember, God is still working in your situation too. You just may not know how. But Lord, I didn't drink any coffee for nine months. I ate totally vegan. I did everything right. And my kids... If you would only turn them over. God, 37 years of school, and they get promoted first. It's the boss's cousin. This isn't fair. If only. Don't keep your eyes in the grave. Keep your eyes on the cross. Remember what Jesus has done. Celebrate when God raises someone else's situation or circumstances to life. And then here's a fourth and the last thing. Don't lose hope. You have hope if you have Jesus. Christ in us, Scripture says, is the hope of glory. That glory is an eternal life with him as we talked about last week. But that relationship starts now. Let him be the glory in your life. It may seem hopeless for years. It may seem hopeless for decades. When you read in Hebrews, those who even died for the cause of Christ, when you read of a, a whole people wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years, God, if only you would have, let him lead the path. And don't lose hope no matter how long it takes. Because here's the truth, in the end of the book, we win. No matter what circumstances may say, we win. He is God in, through, above, and way beyond your circumstances. Remember that no matter what the stress or struggle is that you're going through, he knows exactly what it is and he knows how this game is going to end. Would you bow your heads with me, please? My guess is in this room, there's some people going through some if-only moments. I don't know fully what it looks like, and I don't need to. This message came out of my own personal devotion time, going back to early July. As I was having my prayer times with God, and I kept finding myself saying, God, if you would only, if you would only, if you would only, in so many areas of life. But what if God wants something to die before he's going to bring you true life? In the circumstance, in the situation. What if God wants to move outside of your box? If you're here this morning and you're in an if-only moment and you just need to say, God, i got to turn it over to you. I want to pray for you this morning. First of all, for the grace and the peace to take a deep breath and let it go. 
And then also for the faith to remember that we've got a God who our hope is in and who can even bring things that seem dead back to life. We don't know when, we don't know how, but we know he is able. If you're here this morning and you're in an if-only moment, would you just raise your hand? I'd love to pray with you as we close out this time of service. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands are up. And if you're here today and maybe you don't have that hope because you don't know Jesus, after service there's going to be prayer partners to the front. They would love to have that conversation with you. They would love to talk about what it means to have a living, breathing relationship with the author of life, the giver of life, even in the face of death. I'd encourage you to talk with them after service or find uh, Bill, and he'd be glad to talk with you as well. Jesus, we thank you that in the hopelessness of all that life throws at us and what seems to go on in the culture around us or in the business or finances or relationships, God, we thank you that you speak and bring life. Lord, I pray over those who are in this room who God may be feeling like they're hitting a wall or they're staring into an open grave. And I pray, God, in that thing where right now they're seeing a grave, that they see even a speck of life. That olive branch of hope that says, you've got this. And Lord, no matter what, as Job said, even if you kill us, yet will we praise you. Lord, I pray that those who are struggling, maybe even to come out to church this morning, maybe their faith is just in a hole, that we continue to lift our eyes and look to where our life and our hope comes from. We thank you, Jesus, for your presence here this morning, for speaking to us right where we are, for being real in real times and real tough situations and in real struggles in life. That this isn't just something religious. It's something empowering by your Holy Spirit. In Christ's name we pray.